to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you, Miss Alice. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you all for attending today. It's a beautiful day. It's a little bit overcast, but the temperature is nice, and spring is definitely here. It's beautiful. As Jacob was just reading, the topic for today is the fear of God. What we're going to look at is a few passages from the book of Proverbs. As Jacob read seven verses, think about a beautiful house. This house is a very sturdy structure. It's set in a large compound area. It's a little bit dangerous outside that house. There's six steps going up to that house. Then on the seventh step is the porch. Going into that house, it's safe. That house is God's word. That house has a room, the living room of Proverbs. That's the house we're going to enter today, and we're going to look at that book of Proverbs. Those steps that we walk up into that home are these first six verses. Many of the theologians have said Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, which Jacob just read, is the key verse to the book of Proverbs. And that verse reads, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Typically, we look at King James Version verses on the handouts. If you do a search of King James for the word fear, it appears in 385 verses. And many of those verses have the word fear more than one time. And then if you look at derivations of the word, like fearing or feared, there's over 500 occasions of this word. 
And then there's other words that discuss fear, like terror. So when we look at this concept, it's a very rich topic within the Bible. It's almost like if we have clothing on us, slacks or a skirt or overcoat, it's made up of many threads. The coat of the Word of God has many threads of fear going through it. Now, many times when we think of fear, we have a bad connotation in our mind. But from God's perspective, his fear is a blessing. Without truly understanding the fear of God, you cannot have salvation. Today's title, The Fear of God, we're going to look at three points. The first point is that there is no growth in grace and sanctification without the fear of God. The second point is there is no praise and adoration of God's glory without the fear of God. And then the third point, the final point for today, is there is no salvation, no true salvation unto eternal life without the fear of God. The next few weeks we're going to be looking at different topics from the book of Proverbs, different themes. And the reason being, in April, I'm going to be going with our church on a missions trip to Nepal. You can start to pray for our team. I've been assigned five messages, five themes from the book of Proverbs. So bear with me as we go through the next five or six weeks as we look at different topics from the book of Proverbs. And this was a really a blessing. We've touched on the fear of God before, kind of coming at it from an angle. But today we're going to try to do a deep dive into this topic and only really looking at a few verses from the book of Proverbs. If you look at the last page, page five of the handout, we're not going to go through all these verses or we would be here all afternoon. But just in the book of Proverbs, there's 23 verses that have the word fear in it. And when you go through those 23 verses, you can put them into two groups. Kind of like you can put every person who's alive into two groups. And the two groups are, you're either a believer of God, or you're an unbeliever. You're either a wise person in God's eyes, or you're a fool in God's eyes. Group one are the verses of wise people who fear God. When you fear God, you're really desiring his protection and his love. And as you glean the kernels of wisdom from the book of Proverbs, and you put them into your life, you become a wise person in God's eyes. The second group of people are the foolish people. They do not fear God. And they live wicked lives as a consequence. And when they enter into eternity, at the end of their days, they do not go into heaven. They did not make wise choices during their life. And they will find their soul in hell and after the great white throne, then into the lake of fire. So let's look at the top of page two. These are some thoughts that I wrote down last night. It was kind of the culmination of my week's worth of study. But when you read this, think about how the Lord can utilize these words in our life. Because they're really blessings from Him 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three persons in one God, as we fear God, He blesses us as his, our Father, He blesses us as our Savior Jesus, and He blesses us with the wisdom of His Holy Spirit. It is only through glorious grace that we grow to fear God in our life. It is a blessing from Abba Father to learn to fear Him more. We need to reverence, honor, and trust Jesus through our purposeful obedience and intentional worship. A true fear of God provides the believer with sobriety and seriousness of mind. Fear of God enables submission to the Holy Spirit and an acknowledgement of His right to reign over our body and soul. Fear of God facilitates repentance from and contrition over our sin and gives us spiritual victory over carnal lusts. And then that second point right below that, I was listening to a message from a preacher this week and he made a really strong point. He said, the foolish are spiritually insane when they do not fear God. Amen. Think about that picture, that mind picture that he's creating when he says that. The foolish people, the people who say there is no God, the people who shake their fists at God, they're being spiritually insane. They may be very strong in the world. They may be rich and powerful. They may control businesses or run politics or different media corporations. And from the world's perspective, they appear to have it all. But God says that those people are spiritually foolish and they will end up in the lake of fire. Proverbs 1.1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. That's pretty straightforward. If you look at the book of Proverbs, there's 31 chapters, and it's believed that Solomon wrote the first 29. At the top of chapter 30, it says Agar wrote chapter 30, and King Lemuel wrote chapter 31. And probably you women in this room have read Proverbs chapter 31 many, many times, because that's the famous chapter that discusses the profile of a godly woman. In 1 Kings chapter 4, 32, this is also speaking about King Solomon. It says he spake 3,000 Proverbs. If you look at the 31 chapters of Proverbs, there's about 900 verses. Here it says he spake 3,000 Proverbs. <laughs> that means there's about two that are not written for every one that's written in the Bible. And it says his songs were 1,005. That's amazing. Yes. This man was the king. It's not like he could sit in his living room all day and write songs. He had a kingdom to rule. And yet he was so proficient with wisdom. Remember, he prayed for wisdom when he was a young man. And God made him the most wise man who has ever lived. Now, when we look at the book of Proverbs, it's also important to understand that this is not a book of promises. What it is, it's a book of observations on life. And King Solomon had observed people. And he said, if you walk in these footsteps, then this will be the likely outcome. It's not a guaranteed outcome. 
Remember, Jesus was perfect. He did not live to be 120 years old. He died at the age of 33. So God has a plan for all of us. We can live wise and live many, many years. I think of Miss Alice. In my mind, she's a wise lady. She's lived and honored God, and God has honored her with 90 plus years. And look at how healthy is she when she comes in here, sits down, plays the piano. What a vibrant life. But there are missionaries who have died on the field in their 20s and 30s. So the book of Proverbs is not promises, but they're observations. And for all of us, if we try to live the wisdom in the book of Proverbs, God will bless us. And more than likely, we will have a long, rich, vibrant, productive life. One of the Proverbs that brings us out, the truth, 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's not a guarantee that all of your children will live perfect lives. But it's an observation that if you raise up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, when they get old, it's a very probable likelihood that they will not deviate and go into apostasy. It's by God's grace that our children are saved. Amen. We cannot claim any glory or any honor from that, except the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and humble yourself before him, and he will exalt you in due time. And see, his exaltation to you that have godly children is when you honored him, he is now honoring you. And isn't it a joy to look back and see people that are saved and honoring that you might have touched a little bit? Think of the thousands of people who have heard songs that Miss Alice has played. She's touched thousands of lives a little tiny minor way, but God uses that. And he uses us when we pray. That's the biggest thing on our agenda these days. People need prayer. They need prayer more, really, than anything else. In America, they don't need more money. There's enough money out there. They don't need more cars. They don't need more furniture in the house. You just have to move it at a later day, right? What we need is prayer in our life. All right, the first point today, there is no growth in grace and sanctification without the fear of God. Proverbs 1-2. To know wisdom and instruction and to perceive the words of understanding. When we look at this, the key word in Proverbs is wisdom. So really, you, want, you ask yourself, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the soundness of an action or a decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. So that's in Laysman's term, what wisdom is. From the Bible's point of view, what wisdom is, is taking that knowledge of the word and in a practical daily application, living it out in your life. If God says, don't be angry, don't be bitter, don't be jealous, don't lie, have a good attitude, take that wisdom and put it into your daily walk. And that's, in God's eyes, you become wise. Instruction. Instruction is detailed information telling how something should be done, operated, or assembled. I remember many years ago, I went and purchased an unassembled bike for one of my children. 
That was not wise. Because when I brought the box home, I thought, okay, run down, get my tools out of the basement. 20 minutes later, you're going to be riding down the street on your new bike. It didn't work out that way. We opened the box, laid all the pieces out on the family room floor. It looked so nice. And then I picked out the instructions for the box. And the instructions were in Chinese. Oh, dear. <laughs> that did not help me at all. So maybe five hours later, my son was riding that bike down the street. But instruction is how you can take detailed information and find out how something can be done in a proper way. God's Word is our instruction manual for life. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We have to start somewhere in our walk with God. When I came here to, to Bentley Commons today, I left our church parking lot, so I had to walk out into my car to drive here. That was the beginning of my trip to meet with you today. The beginning of your trip with God and his wisdom, it's right here. Knowledge of the holy is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. How are you going to get into your car and drive with the Lord on your walk through life? You can't turn the, the, the motor on without fear. That's the key to starting your walk with the Lord. And then it says knowledge of the holy is his understanding. Do you want to understand God more? You have to understand and have knowledge of the holy. What is the holy? The holy is the Bible. It's the holy word. The only way you get knowledge is to study. We all need to study God's word. And that's how we get knowledge of the holy. And that's how we glean the wisdom from the word of God to be able to practically use it in our life. Proverbs 12, verse 8. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. We look upon people with a, sometimes with a sense of awe when they become experts in an area. Perhaps you know somebody who's good at teaching or chemistry, or perhaps they're a very good attorney. And we look up to athletes that are very skilled. We think of LeBron James. He's the best basketball player right now in the world. So we commend people according to their talents and their wisdom. But the reverse of that is a perverse heart becomes despised. When we read about somebody who did a murder, like two weeks ago, that young 19-year-old boy that went in and shot 17 high school students, that's a perverse heart. All a society that is morally upright will reject that and they will consider that perversity. And we can look at all of sin patterns. The closer we are to the Lord, the more we fear God, the more we view sin as perverse, as perversity. And we don't want to be connected with it. We want to shun it. There are some verses in John chapter 3 that talk about people that hate God. They don't come to the light because they hate the light. Because why? Their deeds become reproved. Their deeds become exposed. And God is light. Proverbs 19, 8. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. Most of us in this room 
We love ourselves. We love our souls. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We want to eat good food. We don't want to be cold at nighttime. We want to be protected. We go to the doctor when we're sick. So we love ourselves physically, and it's manifested in the things that we do every day. What about our soul? Many people that are lost, they don't give a second thought to their soul. And yet our soul is more permanent than our body. Our body's gonna pass. All of us, when we were 25, we had lots of energy. Now we all have gray hair. And we, we don't want to go play basketball for five hours anymore. Our bodies are wearing out. But our soul never wears out. Our soul is permanent. It's eternal. And he that gets wisdom loves his own soul. If you love your soul, you're going to want to get more and more and more of God's nutritional wisdom. Proverbs 24, verse 7. Wisdom is too high for a fool. He opens not his mouth in the gate. From a fool's point of view, this godly book, the Bible, is too high for him to even enter into that gate. He opens not his mouth in the gate. In the Old Testament, the leaders of the city would go out to the gate because that's where all the commerce, that's where all the people would enter and leave the city. It would be surrounded by a wall, a gate. And only the learned and powerful men would be able to sit at the gate. That was where the judge would rule on issues within that town or that small city. A fool would not be allowed to sit in the gate. And the same thing in God's heavenly kingdom. The fool will not enter into heaven because a fool cannot truly be saved. Proverbs 1.3 To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. So now envision we're walking up the house. And now we're on the third step. And God is saying to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Are you receiving God's word today? Are you drinking in his wellspring of life? Proverbs 2, 9, and 10. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom enters into your heart and knowledge is pleasant unto your soul. The atheist despises the word of God. If you approach somebody with that mindset, they would be in rebellion against what you're trying to show them the love that you're trying to share with them, the word of God. When wisdom enters your heart, then this knowledge of the holy, the word of God, becomes pleasant onto your soul. Isn't Thanksgiving one of the best times of the year? It's the time we honor God, but isn't it also a time when we can sit down with a big turkey and pecan pie and pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie, and I, I know you're probably getting hungry. <laughs> But it's a way that we fill ourselves with the joy and the spirit of that holiday. It's a pleasant time for the family. You gather together. This should be a pleasant time with the Lord when you're drinking in the knowledge of his word. Proverbs 16, 22. Understanding 
this understanding of the Holy Word, is a wellspring of life unto him that has it. But the instruction of fools is folly. If you have this wellspring of life, that's eternal life. You're saved. You're going to heaven. This wellspring of eternal life to a fool is folly. In other words, they discount the word of God. At the end, they reject the free gift of salvation. We need wisdom and not foolishness in our life. Proverbs 19.27 Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. This is a verse that every teenager should study and memorize and take into their very soul and being. The Bible is saying, cease my son. In many parts of the book of Proverbs, it seems that Solomon, being a daddy, is talking to his son and saying, you should do this and don't do that. And here's one of those don't do. He's saying, cease my son to in to hear the instruction that causes to err from God's word. What are things that cause us to err today? Maybe not so much for you because you're farther along in your walk with the Lord and you have more of a fear of, the, of God in your soul already. But for a teenager, they have peer pressure. At high school, there's pressure on what to wear, what not to wear, how to cut your hair, what shirts to wear, what tennis shoes to wear what music to listen to, what cars that you want to and you need to drive and buy, what about the internet and all the evil that's on there, what about the phones, everybody has to have the cool phone in their pocket and they all are texting each other and watching YouTube videos and these phones are consuming three, four, five hours of their day. Kids no longer are, are active in sports. They're sitting in their rooms playing video games. From God's perspective, they are erring from the instruction of God. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. How? In the fear of God. When we have a fear of God, we're less likely to actively sin. It's a way that we cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And not every sin is a carnal, fleshly sin. Many are. But there's also blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that is sin in the spirit world. And we are also susceptible to committing those sins. So this verse is saying we can cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. And it's through perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Do you see how important this concept of fear is? We're looking at verses that are just not in the book of Proverbs. Just those 23 verses in the book of Proverbs. This is a concept that's over 500 times mentioned in the Bible. And I didn't count all the books, but there's perhaps 40 different books out of the 66 that deal with this issue of fearing God. God wants us to fear him so he can bless us. That's really what it comes down to. God made us 
as his children to bless us. Just as a father and a mother want to give their children good things in life, God wants us to give us good things in life. And we receive those good things when we fear him. 1 Peter 1.17 And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. This word sojourning, it means journey. We are all on the journey of life. All of us started at different dates. We all have different birth dates. And many of us are from different states. Perhaps there's even people who have lived in foreign countries. We all have different journeys on our life. Not everybody is blessed with a lot of children. But some people are blessed with strong health or good finances or strong minds. But we're all on this journey of life. Peter is saying, pass the time of your sojourning here on the earth before you go into eternity in fear. Isn't this amazing? Peter is writing this book right before he's going to die. They're about to kill him. He's about to become a martyr. So he's putting his house in order. When we know we're going to die, we put things in order. We don't want to leave chaos for our children. And what is he emphasizing? Fear God. Fear God. I'm putting my house in order. I have one last message. Fear God. The second point today, there is no praise and adoration of God's glory without the fear of God. If we want to grow in our worship with God, we need to adore and praise him. Our praise and worship will be kind of flippant without a fear for the Lord. Proverbs 1 verse 4. We're on the fourth step now going into the porch, into the house. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. Children, and especially going into the teen years, you probably heard this saying, they don't know what they don't know. <laughs> Isn't that true? And even as we look back on our life, we become amazed at what we didn't know that we thought we knew. The Word of God, especially the book of Proverbs, gives children wisdom beyond their years if they implement what God is teaching them. It says to give subtlety to the simple. A simple person is somebody with a weak mind. And yet in life, it's so much easier if you know how to subtly maneuver certain things. You know, if you have a problem at a store, if you're taking back something and you want to get an exchange, that transaction is much easier if you have a smile on your face rather than going in there with a complaint on your lips. And that's the way life is. It's little subtle transactions that we do every day. And God says even that simple person, the one with the weak mind, perhaps a lower IQ, if they read God's word and follow it, he gives even the simple subtlety. To the young man, he gives knowledge and discretion. There are some times when we should speak, and you all know there's many times it's better just to be quiet. Well, God is saying if you read the book and implement his wisdom, 
He will teach you when to speak and when to be silent. Psalms 99, verse 3. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. There is none other name above Jesus' name. And it says here, his name is great and terrible. Terrible not being in a bad sense. Terrible meaning at that great white throne, that lost soul is going to realize, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, they will know the terror of the Lord. Because he is a just judge. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Many of us, when we were younger, we put together resumes and we talk to different people and we network for the purpose of getting good jobs. Because a good job is a well-paying job and it's a satisfying job and it answers many of the needs in our life. And in some respect, we were searching for silver and gold for some form of wealth to take care of our financial needs. God is using this metaphor just as we search for the riches of the world, even more so we should be looking at the riches of God's word. And then he says, the fear of the Lord, then shall thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge. If we diligently search the scriptures, God will put on us a fear. And all week long, I've been asking God, give me more of a fear for you. Not because I want to cower in a corner somewhere, but I can see his blessings when I fear him. And you can too. Proverbs 3 verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. People that fear the Lord, they have good characters. At work, they're the producers. At work, they're not gossipers. They are the people that the boss can rely on. And they don't have to be preaching the gospel every day. Their actions, their lifestyle is the testimony of the Holy Spirit. They will find favor and good understanding both in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Isaiah 63, 17. O Lord, why hast thou made us to err from our ways? And harden our heart from thy fear. Return for thy servants' sake the tribes of thine inheritance. Isaiah is crying out to the Lord because the Israelite nation has turned from Jehovah and they were following after false gods, idols. God allowed their heart to be hardened. They couldn't see, they couldn't receive the fear of the Lord. If they didn't have a fear of God, that meant they were going into hell. And Isaiah is saying, why hast thou made us to err from our ways and harden our heart from your fear? Please give us back the fear. We want your inheritance, and the inheritance is eternal life. We want to be in heaven with you when we pass. 
And Isaiah was crying on behalf of the nation that God would give them a fear. If you don't have enough fear of the Lord in your life, cry unto him. Say, Lord, give me more fear. I want to experience more of your blessing in my life. Proverbs 1.5. Now we're on the fifth step coming into the house. We're kind of walking slow, <laughs> but we're getting there. The fifth step. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. When we're children, our parents are our primary counselors. It's best to listen to our parents. Because if somebody loves us the most, they will be looking out for our best interests. But as we go through life, then our spouse becomes our number one confidant. After the Lord, of course. And then at business, perhaps we have a partnership with other businesses. We rely upon them. And then as we go through the cycle of life, perhaps we're relying more upon attorneys and accountants and doctors. And you see there's counselors that have niche wisdoms and expertises. And the Bible is saying here, a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. That's normal and that's a proper way for us to seek the counsels of wise people. But the most important counsel that we should seek always is the counsel of God. Proverbs 14, 26 to 27. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Look at the next part of this verse. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Many of us, we get thirsty. A big, tall glass of cool water is so refreshing on the throat. What about for your soul? It says here, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life that has this eternal water of life flowing into our soul. And the fear of the Lord is to depart from the snares of death. There are many sins that cross our path. And every one of those sins is a route that tries to trip us up in life. It's like if you were running on a trail and the sun was going down and you had to get home quickly and those tree branches and those tree roots would be across the path, we might easily trip unless we had a flashlight. Those are the snares of life in the spirit world, the sins. Don't trip up on those sins. And how do we avoid tripping up on that sin and falling on our face before the Lord? Have fear of the Lord. It's another promise. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. So this verse is underscoring when we're children, our primary counselor for safety is our parents and our teachers at school. And even now, we rely upon the government in many ways to be our counselor. If somebody were to shoot a missile at the United States, say Washington, D.C., we would be looking for the government to provide that first level of protection. So these are the forms of counselors in our life. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness 
brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, which is love. That's a progression. There are many steps on that. And many of us in this room, we're at different points along that path. But this is a progression from a babe in Christ who's drinking the milk of the word all the way through to a mature Christian who's sitting down and eating two-inch steaks. And the baby can't eat the meat of the word until they mature. And this is a walk along God's word that matures us. We add to our faith. You can't have any start in the walk without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God or to be saved. But you see, you go from faith to virtue. You start getting rid of the sin in your life. And then virtue into knowledge, that's studying God's word. And to knowledge, temperance. Not, the word of God will give you a temperance. Temperance means a balance. That means you're no longer extreme in certain things. People in our world, they become extremes. There could be people that all that they want to do is be rich. Or people that want to be just famous. Or people who go to the health club and they work out for six hours a day. Those are extremes in life. God says as you learn the fear of him, you become temperate and balanced in your life. It's like eating three good spiritual meals a day. Temperance adds patience. How many of us, when we were young, we didn't have any patience? Because as you get older, the things that were important when you're 25, they're no longer important. Because the things on the physical side of the world, they, they just lose their luster. And the things on the spiritual side of, the, of life, the things that honor God, they now consume you. Time is precious. But it would be time better spent sharing and talking and fellowshipping with the Lord over prayer than going to some basketball game and eating popcorn and feeling with a sick stomach at the end of the night. 2 Peter 1.8 For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see that progression in the walk with the Lord. As you progress from a babe in Christ into a mature Christian, he's saying you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. And many of you saints, senior saints, you can look back on your life and you see where the seed that you planted in the ground is now bearing rich fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. But the seed will always be honored. And the other, the reverse of that is true. If we plant sins, seeds of sins in our life, they're going to bear fruit. And then we've got to deal with it. I heard a pastor say in a message recently that some of us have plant, planted seeds of sin in our life and we're praying to God not to allow any harvest. In other words, God, don't water that sin seed. Don't let the, the sun shine on that sin seed. Please let that sin seed die right there in barren ground. And I think all of us find that thought sometimes in our life. We regret things we've done. Now we're on the sixth step. Proverbs 1.6, we're just about to enter onto the porch. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise, and their dark sayings. When it says dark sayings, that doesn't mean it's something evil. That's not what it's meaning at all. Dark sayings means it's obscure. Sometimes there are words in the Bible that we just don't understand. 
Remember last week that word lees, L-E-E-S, the residue in the bottom of the cup? I didn't know what that word meant, so I had to go search it and find out what it meant. And there are many obscure sayings in the Bible that we need to study to get our hands around it, to better understand and get a grip on what that verse means. Every verse means one thing, but sometimes it's a dark saying. It's obscure. We need to study it. Here in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1, you've heard of the Queen of Sheba from Egypt. She came up and visited Solomon. He had such a reputation for being a wise man that his reputation went all the way down to Egypt. And the Queen of Sheba said, I want to go talk to this man. Now, she was very powerful, but she didn't say, Solomon, you come and visit me. Because he was the most powerful man on the earth at that time. And when the Queen of Sheba heard of the famous Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. So she's got all of these people on the court and she's saying, okay, we're going to visit Solomon. This is going to be a couple of month trip. You don't fly to Israel and fly back. This would be a long journey 3,000 years ago. She says, okay, you make up all these questions. We're going to see how wise this man really is. And she was astonished. She said, not even half has been written about you, King Solomon. Ecclesiastes 12, 11. The words of the wise, those are saved Christians in the word of God. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. Do you know what a goad is? A goat is a stick that you prompt an animal with. You that have been on farms, I'm sure you've used sticks and goats to move the herd and the cattle. When you're building a house, for example, if you're sheetrocking a room, you need to take the nail gun and strategically place those nails to fasten the sheetrock against the studs. The goat, God uses the word of God to point us and to steer us. And it says his words are the strategic nails to nail the sheetrock against the walls of the rooms of our life. Isn't this a beautiful picture? And then he says here, which are given from one shepherd. Who is the one shepherd being spoken of here? It's Jesus, yes. Jesus is the good shepherd. And my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. Jesus is the good shepherd. And here in Ecclesiastes, Sol Sol Solomon wrote this book, by the way. He's saying that this good shepherd goads us and he gives us nails to fasten down the important things that we're going to need in our walk of our life with him. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. For those people out in the world who reject the word of God, God is saying that's a natural man. Because when you're born again, you become a spiritual man. You have entered into the spiritual kingdom. You're still physically on the earth, but the day you're born again, you become a child of God. You're in the spirit kingdom. To the fool, these words are foolishness unto him, and he can't know them. That's why when you can share a gospel message, a gospel verse, and the power of God 
is in the Bible. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. And yet, to the natural man, those words of the Bible are foolishness. It's because they're not spiritually discerned. To discern means you understand. They cannot understand spiritual words because they're not spiritually discerned. The third point today, the final point, there is no salvation unto eternal life without the fear of God. Now we're finally on the porch, verse 7. And this is the key verse for all of the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we have the two categories in this one verse. We have the wise, saved Christian, and we have the foolish, lost, non-Christian. Those are the only two categories. And that's all that the book of Proverbs puts people into, those two categories. All right, Proverbs 1.7. Let's look at what fear means. This is the Hebrew word for fear, and it means yira. It means morally, it's reverence. It's moral reverence. Have you heard fear ever discussed as moral reverence? That's an amazing way to put it. We reverence God, and that's a godly fear. And it's a moral fear. We don't want to bring our dirt of sin in the presence of the Lord. And it's dreadful fear. Those people who are before the great white throne, that's a day they will dread. Because there's no grace at that throne. There's no promise. There's no rainbow at that throne. There's no lamps of fire of the Holy Spirit in front of that throne. There's no mercy at that throne. There's no grace at that throne. It's judgment at that throne. They will, as this says, have a dreadful, exceeding fear. Isaiah 33, 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. And strength of salvation. And look at how this verse ends. It's beautiful. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. People in the world, they chase money and they want to be rich. And from the world's point of view, money is the riches and the treasures. That's not what God counts as his treasure. His treasure and his riches are his fear. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. It's really almost the doorway that we walk through to access his riches. Just like I had to walk through the door to get into this room. If we want to enjoy the riches of God, we need to walk through that doorway of fearing God. And then we're in the room with all the riches. Do you fear God today? Or do you just have a little bit of fear? We should want a lot of fear because God blesses us when we fear him. Psalm 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. How many times as little children did we say, oh, I know a secret. And then you go, tell me, tell me, what's the secret? What's the secret? God's got a secret. And do you know what his secret answer is? Fear him. You want to know what God's secret and the secret answer is? There it is. 
And look at, he says at the end of that, he will show you. How many times when you were a little girl, a little boy, you had something in your pocket? Well, can you show me what's in your pocket? And you want to know what's in your friend's pocket. Well, God says here, he will show you his treasure, which is his covenant. Well, what is the covenant? Eternal life. How do we get eternal life? Through faith. Why do we have faith? Because we're all sinners and we know we're going to hell. We need a savior. We need a redeemer. And Jesus is the covenant. His blood atonement paid for our sin. And we could put on that white robe of righteousness because of the finished work on the cross that Jesus God has already accomplished for us. It's a free gift. We don't have to go to the bank and take money out to pay for the fear of God. It's free. Eternal life, we don't have to pay for eternal life. It's free. It's a gift. No strings attached. Just simple faith. Proverbs 129. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Those people who reject God, who reject eternal life, God's saying it's a choice. They did not choose to fear the Lord. Do you have a fear of God? The world will say, no. Oh, he's a, he's a grandfather in heaven. He, the old man upstairs. And then they take the name of the Lord in vain and they can cuss without any kind of remorse. They don't fear God. They don't fear God at all. And God says they're choosing not to fear him. We have many choices in life. And one of them is to choose to fear God. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. These are the last two verses of this beautiful book of Ecclesiastes that King Solomon wrote. And look what he wrote on these last two verses. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Sometimes when you hear a long message, you go, please get to the conclusion of the matter. Okay, the ending. Here, this is what King Solomon is saying at the end of the day, at the end of your life, this is the conclusion of all of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. He boils it right down to one little simple phrase. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. When we had jobs, when we were working, we would have duties to do. As a father, I have duties. As a mom, women have duties. As a housewife, you have duties. When you go to your work, you have duties. We know what the duties in those respective categories are. Well, what's the duty of man? A little bit of the duty or all of the duty, the whole duty? The whole duty, all of it, 100%, fear God and keep his commandments. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And there's a reason why we need to fear God. Because we're never going to get away with the sins. God's going to bring it all into the open. And he's going to judge it. Matthew 10, 28. We went over this, I think, briefly last week. But we'll say it quickly today. Fear not them that can kill the body. Don't fear that kid who went in and shot those 17 students. But are not able to kill the soul. He could physically kill their body. But he had no authority over their soul. Rather, fear Jesus, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's who we need to fear. Fear God. Fear Jesus. Romans 3, 16 to 18. Destruction and misery are their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That speaks to America today. There is no fear of God 
in the eyes of the people out in the world today. The church membership is down, church attendance is down, people who read the Bible is down, the music is bad. It's even difficult to find a church that has good theology or a church that has uplifting worshipful music. When I got in my car this morning, I was driving to church to teach the junior boys and girls. And somehow we got on this subject. When I got in my car, I had a Christian radio station on and the music sounded like rock and roll. And I immediately turned it off. I didn't want that spirit of that music on me as I went to teach the kids. And it's a spirit world out there. And there are evil spirits. And those evil spirits are trying to steal whatever glory God has in our life. Don't let it happen. This verse says destruction and misery are in their ways. And even Christian music stations can take away from the Holy Spirit. We have to be very discerning about what we take into our daily life. And then this last two verses here today. This is from the book of Revelation. This is the very last message that God sends the angel to preach. This is the last message, the last opportunity that these people during the tribulation period are going to hear the word of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. Do you know there's going to be the gospel of Christ in eternity? It's not just going to stop at the great white throne, because Jesus is the word, and the word's forever. Here it says, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation. That's America, China, South America, Africa. And it says every kindred. That means every type of people. You know, when you go into the Amazon, there's hundreds of tribes of people. They're different kindreds. And it says every tongue. How many times do we get into an environment and we can't understand the language? Saying with a loud voice, what does the angel say? The last message. What's his last message to the world? Fear God. Isn't that amazing? He didn't say, clean up your life. He didn't say, you need to get a better education. He didn't say, why are you living in that neighborhood instead of this neighborhood over here? He didn't say, how is your 401k doing? He didn't ask any of those questions. Rather, he commanded and said, fear God and give glory to him. Why? For the hour of his judgment is come. This is your last opportunity to come into a relationship with Christ and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters. On the earth at that time, there's going to be famine and desolence and war and disease. Just a clean drink of water. Remember, one third of the ocean will be polluted with blood. Just to get a clean cup of water is going to be something to cherish. And this angel is saying, God made the fountains of the waters. Fear him. Today, do we have enough fear of God in our life? I don't think any of us do. Because fear of God is really sanctification. And sanctification is how clean are we? This morning when I got up, I had a few dishes in the sink. I did them. Why did I want to wash the dirt from yesterday off? Because I didn't want to drink out of a dirty cup. I wanted to clean that cup. I wanted to sanctify that cup. Our body and soul is our cup. 
Are we sanctifying God's cup? The number one best way to sanctify our cup is to fear God. We just went over, it seems like a lot of verses, doesn't it? Like what, four or five pages of verses that deal with fear? This is a drop in the bucket of this theme in the Bible. We might have touched on 30 or 40 verses. There's 500. There's more than 10 times what we discussed today. We need to fear God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and for this wonderful topic, Lord. It's been really uplifting, but it's also been an admonishment in my life because I don't fear you enough. Lord, let me learn to fear you more because then I'll love you more and I'll see you work more in my life and I will see your blessings of the people that are impacted by my life. And Lord, for all of the saints in this room, that they would learn to fear you more. And that's our prayer for this week, Lord. Teach us to fear you more. Allow your Holy Spirit to show us how to fear you more. And Lord, there's also saved family members. We have many of them that have not heard the word of God. And in your viewpoint, they're foolish. The fool has said in his heart, no, God. And we don't want our lost family members to have this foolish position. Lord, save them this week. We ask this in your name, Jesus, the name above all names. We love you, God. Amen. So you're dismissed. Thank you.